the book of Ruth. Now, the last time that we, we studied the Old Testament in our evening services, I'm sure you remember that we went through the book of Ezra. And uh, as we did that, we noted, didn't we, that Ezra is not a particularly popular uh, biblical book. Ezra is not a book that is talked about much or uh, that, that we read all that often or is preached on all that much. Well, this evening we begin a series in a book of the Bible that I guess I suppose is at the other end of the spectrum, isn't it? It's, a, it's, it's kind of like the, the polar opposite of Ezra because unlike Ezra, the book of Ruth is an incredibly popular book of the Bible. It's a book that I'm sure you're familiar with. It's a book that we teach our kids. Um, it's a, a book that preached on time and time again, isn't it? And since, whether we like it or not, we are part of the sort of Christian conference generation. Uh, whenever you hear of a women's conference taking place somewhere around the country, you can almost kind of guarantee that at some point during that conference, not that I'm speaking from experience, of course, but at some point in that conference, that the book of Ruth is going to be brought out and mentioned for very kind of obvious reasons. Well, what I want us to know at the very beginning of this sermon series is the fact that the book of Ruth is not just for women's conferences. The Holy Spirit has not included Ruth in the canon of Scripture just because it is applicable to a a certain group of, of people. The Holy Spirit has included this book in the canon of Scripture because it is applicable to all people in all circumstances. So whether you are a woman tonight or whether you are a man, please see, please note, that this is a book that is relevant. And it's relevant to your life. Okay. The plan tonight is straightforward and simple. What we're going to do, God willing, is have an overview sermon on the book of Ruth. And um, what we'll do, we'll break that into three sections. We will look... Uh, an introduction to Ruth, first of all. Then there'll be this very short uh, second section where we'll really just address the, the, the question of the authorship and the date of the book. Before we sort of tackle the main bulk of the sermon, and that'll be in this third section where we look at some of the main themes of Ruth. So you with me? It's an introduction then uh, authorship and date, and then the main theme. So let's hit the ground running, as it were. Let's consider the first thing. An introduction to the book of Ruth. Okay, now, I'm sure you've all uh, got a favourite item of clothing. Do you? A favourite item of clothing lurking somewhere in your, in your, your cupboard at home. Well... A friend of mine, um, he had a, a favourite item of clothing, he had a, a, a favourite t-shirt that he used to wear all the time, which is fine of course, except for the fact 
that my friend's t-shirt had printed on the front of it the, uh, the title scene from the 1980s film Sleepless in Seattle um, this was clearly this, 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 this guy's sort of favourite romantic comedy or his, his favourite love story and, and I guess there's nothing wrong with that there are uh, great love stories out there aren't they from let's say Pride and Prejudice right through to something a bit more modern like the Silver Linings Playbook. There are great love stories out there. And really, that's what you've got there. That's what we've got in front of us tonight. Because the book of Ruth is a love story, isn't it? You know, girl meets boy. Girl falls in love with boy. There is this problem that they've got to work through but ultimately girl and boy get married and and they live happily ever after so it's a short concise love story simple right well actually it's not quite as simple as all that is it because you see the book of Ruth is a love story, and it is short. But the simplicity of Ruth is actually rather, is, is quite deceptive. You know, the book is only, have a look, it's only four chapters long. It's only four chapters long, but there's an incredible amount that's packed into its pages. What you've got here is a dense story, you've got a, a, a detailed story. And yet, it's really wonderfully told, isn't it? You know, there's a lot going on, but the story's told with with care, and it's told with a lot of precision, and it's told with beauty. Now, you've heard of Goethe, the, the, the German 18th century author, writer, Goethe. Well, he said about Ruth, he said this, he said that what you've got there in front of you, what we're going to be studying over the next few weeks, he said that this is undoubtedly the perfect love story. Undoubtedly the, the perfect love story. Okay, so it's, it's a love story, it's beautifully told, but if we're going to do this kind of introduction properly, we've got to go back to the beginning of the sermon, don't we? And we've kind of got to try and address the fact that, that this is a story that is told from the point of view of a woman. Isn't it? It might not just be for women's conferences, but it is told from the point of view of a, a, a woman. There's this clear sort of feminine perspective in the book of Ruth. There's a woman who is the chief protagonist in the book, she is the, the, the main character. She's the lead character. Now, she might not say all that much in the book. And she doesn't. Ruth doesn't say all that much in the book of Ruth. But you see, when she does speak, what she says is incredibly important. When Ruth speaks, the story hinges on what she says. So, I'm sure you would agree 
that this book is incredibly exciting. Because what we've got here in Scripture is the world through a woman's eyes. It's exciting. But I would say to the blokes here, <laughs> I would say to the guys, you know, don't panic about this and, and don't despair. You know, just because uh, a, a woman is uh, the, the, the lead character, if you like, it doesn't mean that this book that we're going to be studying is in any way a sort of girly book. It's not, is it? You know, okay, we've got a strong, virtuous female lead, but we've also got everything that, that we would want in a story. We've also got, as well, Boaz, a strong male character, too. And just before we move on, what I'd like to do is just mention a few things that you and I should do as we begin the sermon series, okay? Three things, very basic things, incredibly basic things that you should do and that I should do. Ready for them? One, I would ask you to find Ruth. What do I mean? Well, as we start another Old Testament series, I would say, you know, take this opportunity to to really get to know the order of the books of the Bible. Find Ruth. Be able to find Ruth. Know that, you know, it's it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. Ruth, know that it's near the beginning of the book. Become familiar with it. Know that if you're you're sitting in church next Sunday night and you're staring there at 1 Samuel, know, aha, I have gone too far. Be able to find Ruth. Second one, I would say, read Ruth. Okay? What have we got here? I said it a minute ago. We've got four chapters. Okay? Now, I don't know. How long would that take us to read? Half an hour, maybe? 40 minutes? We're reading very slowly. Well, we've got seven days. Let's read Ruth. And then, thirdly, I would say, predictably, pray over Ruth. And this is just underlining what we saw this morning, isn't it? We are beginning a new sermon series. So pray. Pray that you would be captivated by this love story. Pray that we would all of us see that the chief protagonist here is not Ruth. That it is in fact the Lord Jesus Christ. And pray that the Holy Spirit would would press on our hearts this, this relevance of Ruth that we've just been talking about. So find, read, and pray over Ruth. That's something of an introduction to, to Ruth. <coughs> the second section, I said, and I promised it would be pretty short, is the authorship and date of Ruth. Okay. So there's two things. First one, um, 
question is obvious. Who wrote what we've got here? Who wrote Ruth? Okay, if you're speaking to a Jew, the chances are that they will say to you that Samuel, the Old Testament man of God, that Samuel wrote Ruth. That's certainly, the Talmud says that's rabbinic a tradition. But there's a, there's, a, there's a problem with that. Because one of the purposes of the book of Ruth was to show that Ruth, follow me on this, Ruth was an ancestor of King David. And there's this sort of crescendo that we've got towards the end of the book. This sort of big crescendo in chapter 4, because, you know, it, it says, the crescendo starts with, with Ruth uh, giving birth uh, to a child to Obed. And then the sort of crescendo builds up again. And it, then it sort of says, you know, Obed was the father of Jesse. And then the crescendo sort of reaches the sort of, the, the climax. And it's, Jesse was the, 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 the father of David. But the, the problem with that, of, of course, is that Samuel was dead before David became king. So he couldn't have written a book that was looking back to chart the ancestry of David. So it's unlikely that Samuel is the author. And over the years, as you can imagine... There's, there's loads of different names that have been sort of chucked into the mix. There's loads and loads of different names about who could have written this book. But I'll just say this. We don't know who wrote the book of Ruth. And neither do we know when the book was written. This, the authorship's a mystery and the date. Is a mystery. Now, because of what I've just said about the ancestry of David, then, you know, the book surely was written after David became king. It was written after 1010 BC. But how long after that? We don't know. So you're sitting there asking, okay, Andy, that's great, but. Uh, if we don't know the answers to these questions, why are you bothering to talk about it? What, why bring that up? Why mention it? Well, two reasons. One, if we are going to in any way seriously study a book of the Bible, then, come on, we have to, we have to approach these elementary questions of, of who and, and when, don't we? But the second thing, second reason is to affirm something about the, something else about the authorship of this book. Because yeah, okay, we don't know what man or woman penned Ruth. But who wrote the book of Ruth? God wrote the book of Ruth. And that means something, doesn't it? That means that, that when we come to the story, we should come with that expectancy and that anticipation that we talked about this morning. Because you see, God chose each word here. You know, God shaped every phrase here. 
God chose and he, he sculpted each sentence in the way that he has. And, and why has he done that? So that he can speak to you through this story, through this book. He can speak to you about himself. He can speak to you about your life and the, the, the problems that you're going through. He can speak to you about your, your, your salvation, your eternal salvation. So, okay, the authorship and, and, and day. Well, this is an eternal book. And the authorship is divine. So, an introduction and then an author, the authorship and date. But do you not think, with those sort of first couple of points, what we're doing almost is, is like we're standing outside the book of Ruth. And we're looking in on it. it it's like we're outside and we're observing facts and, and details about the book. Well, in the remaining time that we've got together, let's take a step inside the book. And let's consider something of its meaning. Our third point, the themes, the main themes of Ruth. And, you know, there's lots of themes in Ruth. There's many things that we could pick up on and and talk about. But I guess we should just look at two, two main themes just now. Firstly, Please consider that Ruth is a book about kindness. Ruth is a book about kindness, something that I'm, I'm sure you probably agree that we don't talk about an awful lot or don't talk about enough in the Christian church. And the subject of kindness in Ruth, it all revolves around one Hebrew word. And it's the word probably heard before the word hesed hesed loving kindness now when that word is used of interpersonal relationships when it's used of of relationships between people hesed refers to now, now this is important please get this hesed between people refers to this acts of kindness that stem from an existing commitment. But acts of kindness that go above and beyond that. Now, it's important, and it's long-winded maybe, so I'm going to repeat it. Hesed, between people, this kindness, it refers to acts of kindness that stem from an existing commitment, but acts of kindness that go above and beyond that. Now, does that sound... I know it's late on a a Sunday night. um, Does it sound too much? Does it sound a bit, bit technical, maybe? Well, let me give you examples. Think about the book. Think about Naomi. She shows kindness, amazing kindness to Ruth, based upon that existing commitment 
daughter-in-law. But it goes beyond that. Then think about Ruth. Ruth shows incredible kindness to Naomi based upon the existing commitment that this was her mother-in-law. But it's kindness again that goes above and beyond. Then think about Boaz too. Boaz shows amazing kindness to, to, to Ruth based upon this commitment of him being the kinsman redeemer but it wasn't just based on that again it goes above and beyond in the book of Ruth there is this interpersonal chesed this interpersonal kindness that is in some ways expected because there's this legal obligation but it's kindness that rises high and we above the sense of obligation. And we could apply that just now and we could talk about the need for interpersonal kindness. And we will do that in the next couple of weeks. But instead, let's think about something else here. Let's consider that throughout Ruth, not only do we see the kindness of people in action, we also see the chesed of God. You see, think about what God does in this book. God saves Ruth and Naomi from this famine. God takes them safely back to Bethlehem. God works in these people's lives and he arranges it just so that it just, just happens that Ruth is gleaning from Boaz's field. He arranges it that this happens just as Boaz is coming back into Bethlehem. What we've got is the said the, the kindness of God. God, get this, God is a God who shows kindness to his people. But it is a kindness built on the solid commitment of his covenant. The covenant that he makes with his people. But God is a God who always goes above and beyond. His kindness always rises above. What I hope we see in the next couple of weeks is the unsparing and bountiful and extravagant grace and kindness of God. So one of the the main themes here is kindness. But there's a second theme, a second sort of major theme that we could and should consider and that theme is God uses the most unlikely of people. God uses the most unlikely of people. Um, now, that's not setting the heather on fire, I guess. You know, we've, we've, we've heard that um, before. I'm pretty sure it's a pretty rudimentary uh, biblical teaching. But it's true, isn't it? God uses the most unlikely people. Now, we... We see that all the way through history, don't we? You know, where will we go for an example? 
let's take Martin Luther as an example. You know? God uses this big, beer-drinking, burping German, and he uses him so powerfully to turn his whole church on his head. What about in this country? No, God uses, let's say, Spurgeon. God uses this uh, young upstart from Essex. And he uses him to save so many lost souls. And I think about how we see that in the book of Ruth as well. You know, in this sort of horrible um, period of history that we're dealing with here, and this is the, the, the time of the judges, okay? So this is a time of violence and a time of corruption and a time of immorality. This is a time of idolatry. What does God use? What does God do? Well, he uses certain people in that situation, doesn't he? Now, who does he use? He uses Naomi. He uses this frail, old, sorrowful widow with nothing to look forward to materially. He uses a picture of, of, of weakness. Who else does he use in the book of Ruth? Well, he uses Ruth. He uses a, a, a Moabites. He uses a natural enemy of the people. He uses a girl who's a, a widow, a girl who's despised and disenfranchised, a, a, a girl who's penniless and futureless. And he uses Boaz too. Now you might think, well, Boaz is a bit different. You know, Boaz isn't all that an unlikely character, is he? Boaz is a, a guy who's rich and powerful and all. Well, actually, Boaz had his problems too, didn't he? Boaz was from this despised town of Bethlehem. And Boaz had hanging over him the, the fact that he was a descendant of Rahab the prostitute. As one guy said before me, I read this this week. He said that this family that we're reading about, it consists of the most unlikely candidates for divine service. Most unlikely candidates for divine service. And as we hear that, and as we read the book of Ruth, surely that is a source of unimaginable encouragement for us in London City Presbyterian Church. Is it not? You know, that God uses people, the unlikely people, that he can use us, that he can use you. Even in London, even in a situation that is what? Corrupt and immoral and idolatrous. God can use unlikely people. He can use people like you. He can, he can use you even if you're, you're, you're feeling your age. You know, he can use you if you're, you're poor, if you're weak or if you're ill, if you are an outsider, if you are a foreigner. God can use you and he can use you in this place. And then, just for a second, consider what he uses these people for. For what does he use Ruth for? 
Well, we mentioned it a moment ago that in that last chapter, we have got a genealogy. We've got this lineage, this genealogy of David. But it's not just the genealogy of David, is it? It's a lineage, and a lineage that points forward. Do you see that God uses the unlikely Ruth to point forward to Jesus Christ? And friends, if if, if we remain faithful people, if we remain obedient, if we remain loyal, then God will use us to that same end. That he will use us unlikely people. He will use our present weakness. And he will use that to point people in our lives to where they might be saved to Jesus Christ. So kindness and then God uses the most unlikely people. And we're just, we're going to close. But just with this last thought. Did you notice on the white sheet what we called the sermon series? Did you see that? The sermon series is called Ruth from Rags to Riches. And I'm sure if you know the story of Ruth, you can pretty much work out why we've called it Ruth from Rags to Riches. But do you see the picture of the gospel that we have in the book of Ruth? Do you see that? Because Ruth starts off destitute, doesn't she? I mean, she, she starts off and she's empty and she is fearful. And she starts off without hope, just as we start off in our sin, in the state of weakness and the state of helplessness and hopelessness, in the state where we are unable to do anything to change our circumstances and our status before God. Then what happens? What happens in the story next? Well, Ruth meets Boaz. Ruth is confronted by this man. She's confronted by this this kinsman who will act on her behalf and who will redeem her from her her change, if you like. Redeem her from her misery. Just as you, if you're a Christian, just as we, the people of God, have been confronted by Jesus Christ. We've been confronted by one who acts on our behalf. We're confronted by one who has freed us from our chains. One who has redeemed us. And then I ask you, how does the story end? Well, it ends in that union, doesn't it? It ends with the marriage, that wonderful marriage between Ruth and Boaz. It ends with joy and it ends with prosperity. I'll tell you this tonight. That's how it will be for us. Because of our kinsman redeemer, there are weights 
spiritual prosperity. Because of Jesus Christ, because of that hesed of God, it is actually you and me who go from rags to riches. And so I guess Goethe was way off, wasn't he? Because this, the gospel, this is undoubtedly the perfect love story. Let's pray.